You're listening to audio from the St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. How's everybody? Okay? I'm good. Thank you for that. I'm good. Yes. Awesome. Hey, let's start off this morning on a light note. Uh, audience participation part of the program, objections to the Christian faith. What have you heard lately? Hypocrites. Yes. What else? Judgmental. Come on, friends. We're just getting warmed up. Let's go. Other faiths. I mean, why do you seem to have the market cornered on truth? Good. What else? Close-minded. Too many rules. Okay. Intolerant. Change their mind. Fairy tale. Some of you are thinking, uh, I woke up for this this morning, like to be encouraged in my faith. Well, you know, I think, this is my opinion, there are probably four categories. Maybe we could add a fifth one for science as well. Um, but there are four categories that I tend to hear. The first one goes something like this. If God is so good, why is there evil and suffering? So why do people get cancer? Why does Haiti get the earthquake and not the United States where you got insurance, everything like else that goes with that? Excuse me. Uh, Christianity is narrow-minded and judgmental. Second category we might see. Third category, really all that matters is being a good person. That's kind of a struggle because have you seen New Circle Road? But we've already talked about that. And then, of course, yeah, you named it Christians are hypocrites. That one's hard. Are you with me? Let me show you why. Here's what Jesus had to say about it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites." For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. <sighs> Hypocrisy's hard. Are you with me? You ever been a hypocrite? Me too. Me too. I think if you're honest with yourself, we all have. We've all had that moment, right? I, yesterday, Luke and I were driving home. It was a longer day. He had a golf tournament. We stayed a little longer than we thought. We were over in Louisville, and as we're driving home and we're on Versailles Road, we neared the corner of Versailles Road and Manowar at 6.30 p.m. That's exactly, exactly my first response. And I knew better, right? I've been here for four years at this point. Come on, dum-dum, you know not to do that. And sure enough, I get in the right lane because I want to make my right on, on Man of War. And, you know, we've got a couple things to pick up on the way home. And, uh, you know, everybody's playing NASCAR. You know what I'm talking about? So they're, they're going in between everything and, and every which way. And I'm getting frustrated because, you know, I've got a semi in front of me and then it's a big pickup and I can't see what's going on. I don't like not being in control. Is anybody with me on that? <laughs> and so we get near Man of War and I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, you have delivered me. The Exodus story happens today. And now I can't turn right and the guy's running over cones and the policeman that I didn't see from half a mile down the road is yelling and I'm just angry at this point. And I'm thinking, couldn't I have just enjoyed being with Luke for an extra 30 minutes instead of whining? Have you ever been a hypocrite? Yeah. Yeah, you know, Jesus really pushes the envelope here. And I think it's connected to this whole idea of happiness. Some of the things that we don't like about others, we really don't like in ourselves. We talk about this life, but we don't live it. And then our greatest moments, we're happy to post on Instagram for the world to see. But I guarantee you, if you're honest with yourself and you look at your life from this week, there's one moment in your life this week you wouldn't want posted on Instagram, yes? Absolutely. Why do we do that? Well, I think Jesus has been talking about it all along. We try to find conditional happiness. We talk about happiness as it's connected to the past. I was happy when my kids were little, life was young and adventurous, we were newly in love, what have you. I'll be happy when I get the new job or you know, I'm retired or when my health feels good or whatever it is. It's always past and future tense. And what Jesus has really been after, not just with the disciples, but with us, his disciples today, is a conclusive kind of happiness. An eternal present tense kind of happiness. I am happy. And the reason I'm happy is because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I recognize there's a Father above who loves me, who provides every good gift that I need, that provides me purpose and meaning for my life, that walks with me in the midst of my trials, that delivers me from sin and death. And yet, sometimes we blow it, don't we? And we know this, but do we know this? This word hypocrite, in the ancient world, people put on masks and they acted. And so literally the word hypocrite means to play act. And I wonder if we do the same today, it's just that the masks are different. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> How's your life? Oh, it's great. What's new with you? Oh, and then we give our five minutes of best rather than what's really happening in our lives. We play and we act, don't we? 
And church, I mean, look, we're the best at this. I mean, gossip we call fellowship. Oh, I don't like that person. Bless their heart. They're the most evil person I've ever seen. Bless their heart. I mean, sometimes we do it, don't we? Self-righteous kind of behavior and hypocrisy. We've all been there. We've all done it. And what Jesus is after is the recognition that, look, every single one of us uh, enters into the kingdom the same way, at poor in spirit, at spiritually bankrupt. We fall short of being the people God created us to be. In fact, that's the, that's the entrance requirement, that until you're ready to recognize this, you're not ready to be part of the kingdom that Jesus talked about. And when you do, when you realize that you have nothing to offer a God who has everything, well, then you're on your way to becoming pure in heart. And the closer you get to pure in heart, well, the more you're willing to be persecuted for this kingdom way of life because people just don't get it. What is that all about? But in the midst of it all, we act, don't we? This was one of my favorite pictures I found in the last couple of weeks. It's the National Association of Telemarketers with a absolutely no soliciting sign posted on the window there. <laughs> I just think that's great. Anyway, you know, Jesus keeps telling people, here's the thing, friends, you get the letter of the law without a doubt. You can do it. But it's partly an act because you get the letter, but you don't get the heart. And that's what I want. I want the heart. So he starts off our passage today by saying, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And really what he's after is, we have these spiritual practices, these acts of righteousness. And at the heart of the matter, what kinds of prayer, what kinds of fasting, what kinds of generosity, what are the sort of acts that God desires? Not what are the kinds of acts that put on a good show. And so he says first, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet. Does that sound weird? And we had great trumpets today in here. Yes? yes I mean, they sounded a trumpet. Let's go. <laughs> Our choir, musicians, they did a fantastic job. That is such a powerful piece uh, to me. I, I hope it is uh, for you. I hope you'll do a little uh, study for yourself on a mighty fortress is our God. There's a big story there. But Jesus says, sound no trumpet. What is he really after? Well, if you were to go to the temple in the days of Jesus, you would find these offering boxes. And on the offering boxes were these horns that were typically made of brass. And the idea was when you threw your offering in, usually coins, it would make a sound. And so people who really wanted to spiritually grandstand, they would pick the busiest time in the temple in the middle of the day and they would make it rain, baby. You know what I'm talking about? They would chuck as many coins in there as possible, and everybody would stop and go, exactly, you get it. Except that's not what Jesus is after. In fact, he tells the disciples as he watched a widow put in two small coins, he said, wow, I don't hear a sound, but what great faith has this woman because she put in out of what she didn't have rather than out of the abundance of what she owned. So Jesus says, look, if you want to really be generous, 
Don't sound a trumpet. Don't let the right and the left hand know what's going on. Just simply be generous. He goes on, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the... There's that word again. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be... There's that word again. Truly I say to you, they've received their rewards. And look here, the Jewish people, they had it on us when it comes to prayer. They prayed at the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice and the middle of the afternoon. And it's sort of like a stop, drop, and roll. You better start praying when the time comes. And sure enough, they would pray on the street corners. But the reason they prayed on the street corners and they babbled out the longest prayers with all the most flowery, fanciful language is it wasn't about devotion to God. It was about putting on a show for other people. And so everybody passed by and they go, man, I wish I could pray like that person. And Jesus says, well, if that's what it's all about for you, if, if that's what's really in your heart, you've already gotten your reward. He's just getting warmed up at this point. He says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the Galia, that word. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. Here's the thing. The Jewish people, when it comes to fasting, they got it on us too. Usually two days a week, they fasted. Mondays and Thursdays, more often than not. And so more often than not, you'd also find the Pharisees out fasting for show. And they, oh. And Jesus says, look, if, if, if that's really what's in your heart, if it's about putting on a show, well, you've already gotten your reward. And here's what I want you to recognize. The spiritual practices are good. We've been talking about five of them here at St. Luke, inviting and worshiping and formation, having a small group, and also having personal spiritual disciplines for your own life, being generous, serving. The spiritual disciplines are good. The acts of righteousness are good. But we've got to ask ourselves, what's the purpose? Is the purpose a checklist so we can go, look at me, I did it? Or is the purpose about being in God's presence? having a changed heart and a changed kind of life. It's not about spiritual grandstanding. In fact, Jesus, he, he makes it really simple. He says, I'm not after righteous acts. I'm after a right heart. So if you give to the poor, do it silently. If you pray, do it in solitude. If you fast, do it secretly. Doesn't need to be a public show. It needs to be a matter of private devotion. That's what I want. Reality is, does God need all the acts? No. God's good. What does He want for us? He wants us to have the right kind of heart. So, being alone with God, not making it about what do other people say, but what, what does God say? Well, that's, that's the heart of the matter. It's not about religiosity, it's about relationship. And that's why, over and over again, He says, Look, if, if that's what you want, you've already gotten your reward. They're about a changed heart and a changed life. And so we have to ask ourselves at the outset of this passage today, sure, do, am I generous? Do I pray? Do I fast? And then the question is why? Why? Why do I do these things? Because to be sure, Jesus says, hey, man, let your light shine. But what he's after now is don't put the spotlight on you. Put it on your Father who's in heaven. That's where the light's supposed to shine. 
It's about him. I mean, look at me. I've, I got good days and bad days. I got days where I, I get it and I got days where I don't. I've got days where I think, man, spiritual victory. And other days where I go, you know that picture on the ABC Sports where the ski jumper goes off and it says, the agony of defeat. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. We know the right answer, don't we? But here's the struggle. What about the right motivation? What is it that's in your heart? In Christian culture, we breed the insecurity. You gotta pray more. Did you leave church? What'd you learn today? I gotta pray more. What'd you learn today at church? I gotta be more generous. What'd you learn today at church? I am not serving enough. What'd you learn today at church? I, my neighbor, I'm supposed to love them. Right? It breeds insecurity. Am I accepted? Can I be affirmed? Am I doing enough? Am I in? Am I one of Jesus' pals? Am I in the kingdom? Am I getting it right? Am I in or am I out? Like, is my ticket punched? Am I good? And we all want acceptance and to be affirmed, don't we? I mean, nobody woke up this morning and go, gosh, I, who I, I am praying somebody comes by and rejects me this morning. That would be fantastic. We all want to be accepted and affirmed. It's within us. We want to be loved. That's, that's why we were created, to be loved by God and to love other people. That's what we want for our lives. And yet what Jesus is saying is, here's the deal. If you want real acceptance, if you want real affirmation, you've got to look at the motivations in your heart. And if you're playing and acting to other people, here's the deal, friends. You will never find the conclusive happiness that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. You'll only find it in the conditions of this world. And I love you all, but people are fickle. One day they like you, the next day they don't. One day you're great, the next day you're a dog. What's in your heart? Why do you, why do you pray? Why do you fast? Why do you worship? Is it for you? What about God? And when you look at those motivations, when you begin to consider stop, stopping pleasing everybody else, well, then you're at the forefront of what he said in the Beatitudes. You, you realize there's a spiritual bankruptcy. And that's the secret that Jesus offers in the passage. See, there's a secret to real happiness in life. And he's after it, I think, today. In fact, in case you missed it, I just want to put it up before you. There's a secret in the passage. In fact, he said the word six times. It brackets the beginning and the end of the thing. There's a secret twice when it comes to generosity, a secret twice when it comes to prayer, and a secret twice when it comes to fasting. There's a secret to knowing affirmation and acceptance. There's a secret to plunging into the deeper things of God. There's a secret to finding true happiness. Here's the secret. It comes in the form of a question. Just who are you out to please in life?
you just got vapor locked, didn't you? Because it, 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 it hits me. Who are you out to please in life? Because if it's everybody else, let me help you. You're never going to be happy. But if you're out to please a God whose character is unchanging and is defined by total goodness and love to the point of being willing to die on a cross for you, a God who's not fickle, a God who's ready to hear your voice in the morning, good morning. Thanks, you've given me another day. Well, then you're on to something. And really, the application of this entire thing is in the Lord's Prayer. Notice what Jesus says. He says, but when you pray, go into your and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in, there's that word. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is a God who wants to be known. You know, the whole idea of a secret is something that is, is covered up. It's hidden. And so what Jesus says is, go into an inner room where there's no windows, where nobody can see what it is that you're doing. And that's where you pray. And when you pray, you don't address your prayer to God. God's kind of generic. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. Oh, preacher said God's not good. No, God's good. But notice the word. You, you address it to Father. Our Father, a Father who wants to be known, a Father who wants to abundantly pour out His love, a Father who is grace-giving, a Father who provides. And what you recognize is as you run down the prayer, if you've missed this before, really what you're doing is finding a relationship with a Father who loves you, who accepts you, who wants to affirm you, and is saying, look, if you're spiritually bankrupt, come to me. Come to me, and we pray, be my father. We pray your kingdom come, be my king. We pray your will be done, be my Lord. We pray, give us this day our daily bread, be my provider. We pray, forgive us our trespasses, be my savior. We pray, let us forgive those who've trespassed against us, be my healer, and deliver me, be my deliverer. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of God that I need. It changes everything when we come before our Father in secret, not to put on an act before Him, but to just be real. You know, it's so funny. People pick on Christians for hypocrisy and look, guilty as charged. <laughs> but it's funny. Hypocrisy requires a moral standard. You wouldn't know what a hypocrite is unless you recognize there was a moral standard of all that's good. And the good part is Jesus never says, hey, look at my followers. They've got it all together. It proves that God exists. It proves that we need a savior. It proves that we can't fulfill a moral standard. But yet that's why Jesus came. He's already told us this on the Sermon on the Mountain. He said, here's the deal. I have not come to take away the law, but I've come to fulfill it. I've come to live it. 
I've come to reveal it. And that's the game changer. Who are you out to please today in your life? And let me ask you this. How's that working for you? If I had one hope and prayer for the St. Luke community, it would be this. That when you came through those doors, you could be authentically who you are in that moment. And realize two things. Number one, God loves you the way that you are. And number two, he loves you too much to leave you the way that you were. It presumes change. We, we call the process theosis or sanctification. I want to become a little more holy today. A little more like Jesus today. A little more towards the goal of what Pastor Amy talked about, of being complete or perfect in love for God and for my neighbor. That's the goal. And we're all at different places on the journey and we all have failures that we've faced this week and we've all had the greatest of successes too. And let's recognize that my successes and failures are not the same as yours and yours are not the same as mine, but we're all in this together. We're all in this kingdom life together. So here's my encouragement. When somebody tells you or calls you a hypocrite, say, you know, you're right. Some days I can be that person. And here's the thing. If you're looking for other people who have struggled just like we both have and who you would, be, who you would call a hypocrite to, well, I want to invite you to our hypocrite convention at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning at St. Luke. Because we're all trying to figure this out together. And the beauty is this, God's grace and mercy meets us along the way. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the abundance of your love. We thank you for grace. And we realize this morning in worship, sometimes we do act. We put on a show. And the show's for the wrong people. We crave the acceptance and affirmation that really is just to come from you. We realized this past week, God, that we fell short of being the people you created us to be. And so this morning, oh God, in an act of worship and surrender, we bring it to the foot of the cross. And we pray that you would not only forgive us, but that you would heal us of our sin sickness. And we pray today, oh God, that we would come into your kingdom recognizing we have nothing to offer but everything to gain. So God, make us one with you, one with each other. May you change our hearts. And in doing so, may you change the way that we live. And in changing the way we live, may we change our entire motivation for life. We're not out to please anybody else, just you, God. We make our prayer in and through the name of Jesus Christ and the people of God said, Amen. Let's stand and sing. You know this altar is always open for you.